Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of January 21st, 2021, including Bungie is officially ending support for its Halo archive, CD Projekt Red is being sued over Cyberpunk again, no, Fall Guys is not coming to Xbox, and more. So you might remember last week was an unusually heavy week for news, considering it's January, January usually being just a pretty slow month as far as gaming news is, is concerned. But yeah, last week was just unusually large on the news front, and this week we're going right back to the usual where it's really, really slow on news. So I have a lot of sort like a decent amount of stories, but it's very... Very small stuff, a lot of miscellaneous kind of news, so I just want to put that up front. I apologize in advance. I don't make the news. I just uh, butcher it on the show, so want to put that up front. Of course, we will do our regular run of show, and we will have a lengthy news segment. I'm sure I'm sure I'll find a way to drag it out, but nonetheless, I want to put that up front. But this is an Xbox show, so we are here to talk about Xbox and others with a little asterisk. Now, a couple updates I want to make. From last week's episode, you may remember that Arctic Chief wrote in to the show for the first time and referred to Dr. Pepper as barbecue water, and he upset a lot of the audience, apparently, because I got a couple people mentioning Dr. Pepper and and standing up for Dr. Pepper, not that Dr. Pepper really needs your defending, it's a very well-to-do soda, as we all know, but Mavsman went ahead and preemptively laid down the ban hammer on Arctic Chief, despite the fact that Sarugi is actually the man in charge of moderating the comments and banning people. So Sarugi has issued an update on on the Mavs versus Arctic Chief argument or or ban rather. And Sarugi states the following. He says, Mavs man is an authorized subordinate to the Office of International Creative Lead for podcast comment location. And as such, his ban on Arctic Chief stands. Dr. Pepper is and for will ever be the shit. So you heard it from Sarugi himself, guys. Mavs man, his his ban on Arctic Chief stands, and Arctic Chief, I apologize. Uh, I enjoyed having you the the one week you were able to comment, but you are banned. Uh, that being said, I do believe you have a comment this week that I'm going to read anyway. But you know, officially as it stands, Sarugi's banned you. So that's that's the end of you. Now, next, uh, a couple other little adjustments or corrections I want to address. Last week, we talked about the upcoming Ubisoft Star Wars open world game in development from Massive Entertainment, the team behind The Division. One thing I forgot to note is that this isn't this isn't a termination of EA's deal preemptively on Disney's part. Because remember, the deal that EA has with Disney for the Star Wars license is a 10-year deal that began in 2013. So, you know, some simple math mean would would lead to an explanation that the deal is good through 2023 or until 2023, I think. But I didn't think about this much until after the recording when I realized, oh, uh, you, you know how video games work. You announce them, and then you tease them, and you tease them, and you tease them, and you tease them for about three years before they actually come out. There's usually about like a, a preemptive announcement cycle to hype train to actual game release run of about three years generally for most big games. So what this really is isn't that 
Disney is preemptively breaking the contract with EA on the Star Wars license, but rather now that we're nearing that last two, three year stretch of the deal, two year stretch before, you know, it's time for the deal to either be re-upped or signed. Rather, what we're seeing here is Disney saying, hey, we're not re-signing this. We're keeping the license open to everyone. And, you know, Ubisoft, while they don't have the ability per the contract with Disney and EA to release a Star Wars game imminently, they can release a Star Wars game as early as 2023 when the contract ends. So, you know, just using that basic knowledge and basic head math, we're able to ascertain that the launch date of Ubisoft's open world Star Wars game will probably be 2023, if not, you know, get the the usual run of delays that every fucking game gets these days. So I just wanted to point that out. Not that, you know, anyone was really bringing this up, but I remembered that I just remembered I wanted to bring this up because not only one does it give us a kind of time frame for when this game will likely release, but two, it also explains how Ubisoft is able to announce a Star Wars game when technically EA is still in the last stretch of uh, of exclusivity with the Star Wars IP. Interesting that Disney can kind of publicly and preemptively allow for other partners to kind of in a roundabout way announce, hey, Disney's not re-upping their deal with EA, although I don't think anyone was expecting that. I don't think... EA was even expecting that, but it's interesting that this is kind of the roundabout way in which they were, they went about announcing that the deal would not be re-signed and that they would be going kind of Marvel style with allowing a variety of publishers and developers to have at their IP, which I think is the right way to go about it, but nonetheless, just want to point that out. Now, the last uh, correction I wanted to make for the week is last week when we were talking about that Indiana Jones game that's being developed by Machine Games coming from Bethesda, I did mention the potential for an Indiana Jones game to be the best Indiana, like if they really properly do this, like fully AAA, amazing, like really heavy emphasis on storytelling and and uh, groundbreaking, you know, gameplay or just super AAA quality, whatever you want to say. If they really focus on those aspects and make a like knock it out of the park, Indiana Jones, Uncharted type experience, I think that Indiana Jones has the potential to be in its best form via video game as someone who doesn't usually lean too heavily into movies and as someone, you know, that, that was just my my take was that, you know, the best the best Indiana Jones property or experience is probably the ride over at Disneyland in California for Indiana Jones. But then I remembered, oh, wait, over here at Walt Disney World, we've got a bar themed to Indiana Jones. So, sure, at Disneyland, they have a phenomenal, really classic Indiana Jones ride. But here at Disney World, like I said, we have a whole bar with specialty cocktails and great food themed specifically to Indiana Jones. Uh, Specifically, it's the character Jacques Lindsay. So I just wanted to point that out there that Indiana Jones is is a ripe IP and it's a really underutilized IP. The fact that I had to sit there and kind of like think about like what is Indiana Jones, like what kind of ways have we seen Indiana Jones other than the, of course, movies and, like, the young Indiana Jones VHS series or whatever from back in the day and, like, the ride at Disneyland. There's not, for for such an iconic and beloved franchise, there's really not a whole lot of indie out there, especially in recent years. So it's weird to think about that, but I did want to note, not only does the video game still, in my opinion, have the potential to be the best incarnation of Indiana Jones, but Wanted to throw that out there. Really good Disney or really good Indiana Jones themed bar here at Disney World. Just thought I'd had to throw that out there. Now that's going to do it for all those little corrections and updates from last week's episode. But with that said, let's throw 
last week in the trash. Let's forget about it. Let's let's rid our minds of it and jump into this week's episode, which always begins with comments, shoutouts, inquiries from the YouTube channel. Uh, you can go over to YouTube.com, look up Second Best Gaming, and then there you'll find the Xbox On playlist. And then if you leave a comment on the latest episode, that is how you get read on the show. Remember, we are slowly climbing up the subscriber base, guys. We're almost at eight. 800 subscribers so if we can get to that 1000 subscriber mark remember guys 1000 is all i need then we can monetize the channel i can make you watch ads in front of the youtube episode and that will although you know it won't be enough viewership for me to make it really any money off of it it will at least make me feel like i've reached a milestone like i've reached some arbitrary form of success so please 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 go over to youtube.com subscribe to the podcast and make me feel like I matter. With that said, our first comment this week comes from Mia Green, first-time commenter, who says, Fun podcast with a cool twist. It's also like a drinking game. Take a drink every time Jesse swears. Seriously, keep up the good work. So thank you, Mia, as if I wasn't already insecure enough about my overusage of cursing, because you know what really makes me insecure about that is how, I, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm sure there's some study on this, I don't, I don't know, but the kind of old adage or, or saying that People who are overly reliant on cursing, generally that's a sign of, uh, of unintelligible people or people who are inarticulate with their words, and that makes me very insecure because, I don't know, I just I guess I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be seen that way. So thanks for pointing that out and making me further – thank you for furthering my insecurities, Mia. But nonetheless, I do appreciate you writing in. Now, actually, Sarugi has something to add to what you say there. He says, go back two weeks and drink every time he says the word cadence. My – just die of alcohol poisoning. Thank you, Sarugi. Between uh, my excessive usage of curse words and the word cadence, I might just not even be able to go on with the show because I'll be so insecure of every time one of those words slips from my mouth that I might might have to just stop, erase that part, re-record, rewrite my thoughts, and you guys are fucking up the flow of the fucking show. You're ruining the cadence of my fucking show by pointing out my over-reliance on these specific words, but thank you for writing it nonetheless. Now, speaking of Sarugi... Our beloved Sarugi comes in yet again. You know, the, the thing I love about Sarugi is he uh, he he's there when he wants to be. Uh, and so you'll get a couple weeks of no Sarugi, and then you'll get a week like this where we are graced with a with an immense presence, excessive presence of Sarugi. And I shouldn't say excessive because it's never excessive with you, Sarugi. It's, you're always welcome here. But anyway, your, your comment reads, I went to the... I went to comment last week, saw that there were only 17 comments, and decided not to get in on that sinking ship. This week, after being called out for not commenting, we have over 50 comments, so I expect to hear them all right out. You won't. Uh, Halo Infinite and Final Fantasy VII remakes on Xbox Series X are the only things I'm super excited for this year, and even then, it's not a guarantee that Seven will release on Xbox. So yeah, I, I want to address this because yeah, last week I kind of made that salty comment that not enough people commented. I, I want to clarify clarify on that a little bit. I, I wasn't trying to like make anyone feel bad or like hold anyone accountable for not going out of their way to co comment on the show. I mean, I mean, that's why I jokingly kind of said, oh, it's not like you guys have lives of your own or are just getting readjusted to work coming off the holiday break. I understand everyone has their own lives. I don't I don't expect even even for those of you who comment almost every episode, I don't expect for anyone, you know, to be here every week, to comment every week, to listen every week, to listen on day of podcast release. That's not a serious expectation I have of anyone and just the fact that, you know, even the most 
consistent listeners of the show. The fact that you're still here to me is a great blessing and I'm really honored to have anyone support the show. So I want to make that clear. I wasn't like trying to be a petty bitch trying to guilt you all for not commenting enough last week. I just found it a little odd because we had been on the up and up and then we had an off week last week. That's fine. It is what it is. Again, I'm not entitled to your guys' interaction with the show. But that being said, yeah, as Sarugi kind of points out here, this week you guys more than made up for it because we have just a real abundance of comments. So thank you for that. Normally I would try to pare it down a little more, but it is a slow news week, so we might overindulge a little bit. But that being said, don't we always? Now you say your most anticipated games are, of course, Halo Infinite. How could it not be? And Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm right there with you, Sarugi. I'm actually really excited for Final Fantasy VII Remake. And, and the thing is, I didn't know that I would be because when it came out last, what was it, March or April? I think it came out last April on PS4. We knew that the deal was it's like a one-year timed exclusive exclusive on uh, PS4, but that didn't necessarily guarantee that they'll bring it to Xbox. Now, I'm of the mind that they absolutely will bring it to Xbox for a couple of reasons, and here's why. One, Final Fantasy VII Remake, well, it was obviously going to sell well, but it sold incredibly well. I think it sold better than Square Enix was even anticipating, so for them to just not leave or not not cash in on that on that potential market with the Xbox crowd and the PC crowd, you know, they'd be crazy not to. They're definitely going to do that. Number 1, number 2 because because Marvel's Avengers was such a big flop for them and I think we'll see Outriders is probably not going to perform very well either. I think they're going to look for every possible reason under the sun to make up for all these lost uh, all this lost money. So, I think you'll definitely see them try to really emphasize getting not only Final Fantasy VII Remake out on PC and Xbox Series X, but also uh, get some Xbox Series X and PS5 patches out for the game to really kind of reinvigorate this this recent release that they know is popular, they know is resonating with people, they know is making a lot of money. So I definitely expect to see it on Xbox, although we are getting to the point now where it's like, okay, they can release this on Xbox per their contract with Sony as early as like April or May, so... I feel like this is the time where we should be getting the announcement. It's a little worrisome that we haven't, but I'm still I'm still pretty confident we'll get it. And aside from that, you know, when it first came out on PS4, I was so intrigued by it, even though I usually don't like JRPGs. I really wanted to play this game, and there have been a couple moments where I'm not going to lie, I've almost caved and bought it on PlayStation, um, but I held strong. I know I want to play it on Xbox. I know I want to support more Japanese games on Xbox to send that message to Microsoft and developers and publishers. Yes, we want Japanese content on this console. So I've been patient, I've been waiting, but man, I am, I'm surprised that almost a year later, I'm still pretty keen on trying Final Fantasy VII Remake, especially considering I never gave a shit about Final Fantasy VII my entire life, uh, despite you know being raised in a home where my brothers were obsessed with the game. So I think that speaks volumes to how good that remake looks, but I'm right there with you, Suri. Now, Let's let's kind of jump. Let's take the comments and veer off a little bit. If we're driving right now, let's say it's 12:43 a.m. You're very tired. You've just gotten off a late shift at work. You're driving home and you're very tired, uh, and you start to veer off the road just a little bit. That's what we're gonna do with the podcast. We're tired. We're not thinking straight. We're veering off a little bit here because Bearded Vengeance wants to bring up the flag, the American flag boxers fiasco from last week that over-explained, over-indulged comment about literally shitting your pants. And he says, With the flag boxers, I think you found a paradox. What about a f- what about flag socks? As your flag shouldn't touch the ground. I have a feeling this will keep me awake for a few nights. 
you see Bearded Vengeance. I think actually this situation has been addressed or this 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 quandary we found ourselves with has been addressed because because Count Skyla comments in and kind of a, and kind of brings some light to the situation. So Count Skyla says, "I'm back. I took off a bunch of time during the holidays and when I do that, I typically do an internet detox with it." Please accept my formal apology. Count Scott, I'll get back to you on that apology. Uh, and then you say, I'm concerned about missing the RC Cola episode, as you should be. Uh, and then here we go. Here's where we get into the meat. He says, on the flag-branded clothing, there are almost always missing stars or stripes, usually both on flag-related articles of clothing. So that's how you can get around crapping your flag boxers or accidentally setting uh, your bandana on fire when you're grilling without... Uh, desecrating any flags. I always liked that Disney's Magic Kingdom Main Street USA example. They have tons of flags on top of all the buildings and they're intentionally missing a star or stripe or something like that. And then you don't have to treat it like a real flag and you take it down at night and set them to half staff. So if you brought so if you bought your USA boxers from a store, crapping those pants is a right that no one can take away from you. Me personally, I try to be respectful of everyone, so I just go commando. Uh, thank you so much for shedding light on this, Count Scottula. This is, a uh, actually, you know, as a, I, I, first of all, you have solidified yourself as an official Disney theme parks fan with that factoid because, well, first of all, that's one I totally forgot about and I haven't heard in a long time. So that's, uh, that, that right there is proof. If you, if you felt for some reason that you needed to justify your Disney theme park fandom to me, which you probably don't and you don't, um, then congratulations, you've officially qualified yourself as a, a true blue Disney theme parks fan. So I assume that means you're really bitter about the loss of, of Horizons over at Epcot. But moving on so that the whole show doesn't go over everyone else's heads, because I'm sure most listeners here don't give a shit about this. I, I do appreciate you bringing that up because that's totally right. And I totally forgot about that. And I think that really puts a nail in the whole argument. It really pokes a hole in everything I was trying to say here, which is that you know, considering that they're not real flags, they are intentionally missing stars or stripes to not completely represent or be used as an official flag. All it means is that shitting your pants when you're wearing U.S. flag boxers isn't, you know, a disgrace to your country. It's not it's not desecrating the flag, as you say. Rather, it's just disgusting. It's uh, it's animalistic it's embarrassing it's just straight up a horrifying experience for all involved but it's it's not a desecration of your flag or a disgrace to your country so i do appreciate you clarifying on that now hopefully that means bearded vengeance can sleep better at night please let me know if that's the case and then count scala wraps up his his lengthy comment here with i don't care about the medium like it like at all and i don't know why and I cannot wait for Indiana Jones. I really hope it's first person. I want to be Indiana Jones. I'm right there with you. I I kind of hope the game's first person as well. I don't I don't get why. I, I mean I know it's almost definitely going to be third person. I think I really don't think it's going to be first person. And and the reason why is because you think about a game like Indiana Jones, or you think about a franchise game, and it's like why would you why would you not do this in the third person? It's like. Part of the whole fun of like we got Indiana Jones is that the player gets to play as Indiana Jones. So you want to be able to see Indy. It's like when you watch a movie, you want to see the characters, you want to see the actors and everything like that. So the first person perspective, as you even say here, is really like a way of making the player feel like the character on screen. But 
I think they're not going to go for so much as like you are Indiana Jones as it is like look at Indiana Jones. You get to control Indiana Jones. You get to watch Indy because you want to see, you know, that backside of Harrison Ford's body so you can check out his ass cheeks as you run around the world so you can see his little fedora hat and his little whip attached to his side. Like you, you need to see that stuff because you need to know, hey, bitches, this isn't Tomb Raider. This isn't this isn't Uncharted, you dumb fucking morons. Let me explain to you what this is. This is Indiana Jones. So I really think it's going to be third person, but I'm with you. I would prefer a first person game. I just generally prefer a first person to third person in most cases. So I'd like to see it. And that's obviously what Machine Games does. But I just don't think this is going to be a first person game. Now, EA's King 117 says, hi, just wanted to chime in and say absolutely nothing, but I'm back. Well, EA's King, thank you. That's all I ever really needed to hear, and I appreciate you chiming in. In fact, EA's King, not only do I appreciate you doing that, but I wish more of the listeners would do what you just did. You know, like, I like to think of myself as a mother to you guys, and I I worry about you guys. I want to know that you're safe and you're healthy and that you're doing all right. So would it really kill you uh, from time to time to just drop in and let me know you're doing all right? So thank you, EA's King. You've made your mother very proud. And to the rest of you, why can't you be more like EA's King? Now, let's jump onto the... Let's 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 veer back onto the road. We were going a little off-road. Now we're going to go back onto the road. You guys want to talk about Xbox? Okay, fine. It's an Xbox podcast. You win. Now, there's a game called Outriders coming from People Can Fly, published by Square Enix. I literally just mentioned it, so you better know what I'm talking about. And Dead Captain James wants to comment in and say... I think you made a mistake with Outriders about what it is. It's more of a Borderlands-style game, not Destiny. It's a co-op looter shooter, not an MMO light game. Easy mistake, though. All right, Dead Captain James, I'm just going to defer to you and say, my bad, thank you for actually making this correction so that the audience can hear it. But in my opinion, and this is coming from the perspective of someone who's played a total of, like, 40 minutes of Borderlands in my entire life and, like, hundreds of hours of Destiny, I got to be honest, I don't know what the difference is, or rather, I think I do, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I think of Destiny as a looter shooter. So what you're saying is that Outriders doesn't have the reliance on like an evolving shared world with like events and like online multiplayer and things like that. It's more of like a co-op, one and done kind of looter shooter game. We're not one and done, but like everything that's on the disc is what the game has to offer rather than it being an ever-evolving experience. I guess that's what you're referring to, but to me, I already kind of classify destiny as a looter shooter so it's hard for me to be like what what do you mean it's it's not it's not a looter shooter of course it is so but nonetheless i appreciate you writing in with that i'm still i don't know i'm still mildly interested in outriders speaking of first person actually for whatever reason i thought outriders was a first person shooter until like two weeks ago i watched a a gameplay video of it and for some reason i didn't recognize it. i was like what what the fuck is this i'm like oh this is outriders man I, I feel like i'd be way more into outriders if it were first person but that's kind of a silly thing um still mildly interested in that i'm definitely gonna jump on board that free little demo beta thing they're doing and i think you should too no i don't i think you should if you want to i'm not telling you what to do don't blame me 
if you if you do something you don't want to do. Adam Ziso comes back in and says, I'm listening to your podcast right now. I usually do this at jogging or at work. I'm a heavy material courier. I recently came back to the Nintendo Switch because, man, people can laugh and make jokes from Nintendo, but their games are unmatched in quality. Have you had the pleasure of playing Breath of the Wild? You make it hard for me to do intermittent, fast- intermittent fasting. Cheers. P.S. Outriders, don't touch this game. Square Enix, as in the case of the Avengers, forcefully produces this game, not sculpting. So, Amzi, so thank you for writing in. I'm not entirely sure what you're talking about with Outriders, just because I'm not incredibly familiar with the history of the game. My understanding was people can fly, were looking for a publisher, and they shopped the game to Square Enix, and Square Enix jumped on board because they were much like EA, just looking for their Destiny or Division-like video game, and so they backed up a couple of these games like Avengers or like Outriders, but... I, I don't know much about the history other than that, so feel free to enlighten me further. But I will say, to your main comment here, you bring up a couple of things. You touch on a couple of things here I want to talk about. First of all, you say, I make it hard for you to do intermittent fasting. Yeah, I make it hard for me to do intermittent fasting as well, man. So let me let me tell you. I've been trying to... Uh, my, my brother said in passing the other day, oh, I'm counting my calories now so that I can just you know simply take in fewer calories in an effort to lose weight. No special diet, no special this or that. Literally just keep track of my calories and consume less than I'm supposed to so that I can lose weight. I'm like, huh. I just immediately thought, I'm like, I could do that. So I just, I'm very much like this when it comes to like eating healthy or being healthy where I'm like, I'm very flippant about it. I'm just like, you know what? I just had this random thought and now I'm going to do it. And so I just thought, you know, if he can do it, I can too. I'm not committing to this long term, but I've been trying at least this week, you know, just for shits and giggles. Like, ah, let me let me do that as well. And let me tell you, man, fucking sucks. Okay, you know, you know my lifestyle. You know I'm a TGI guy. You know I'm a Black Ops guy. You know I'm a Taco Bell guy. I'm out here trying to trying to maintain my image, telling you guys about the new Mountain Dew, telling you about what's good at Taco Bell, telling you, you know where you should spend your fast food dollars, what drive throughs you should be caught dead in. And all the while, I'm also here trying to count my calories and avoid soda. And I'm like, fuck, this is this is hard where you're like, you know, you make it to like two o'clock in the day and you're like, well, according to this app, it says I got about 600 calories left for the day. So I guess I can eat like a, a fucking bite of spinach and a, and, a, and a pear. And that's what I can have for dinner now because God hates me and told me that this is what someone should eat calories wise based on my age and height and weight and activity level and all that shit. So whatever. Um, but I'm, I'm sorry if I've, if I've driven some of you guys to the drive through or, or made you press order on Uber eats or maybe done some things you shouldn't, but listen guys, food is the most important part of life. It's, I actually love food more than Xbox. And I'm sure you can believe that. Cause I probably talk about food more than Xbox on the show, but I don't know what to do. Food makes me happy especially shitty food, and I'm not going to not talk about it. That's just like asking me to repress my personality and my inner self. So stop trying to make me into something I'm not, okay? Now, you say, back to the Nintendo Switch, you say people can laugh and make jokes about it all they want, but their games have unmatched quality. Adam Zisa, I've got to say I agree with you and I disagree with you at the same goddamn time because I, as I've mentioned on the show before, I grew up coddling Nintendo's balls, man. I, I, I was in Kyoto. I've never even been to Japan but I feel like I was raised in Kyoto at at Nintendo's headquarters just holding those Japanese executive balls in my hand saying is this, is this warm enough is this pressure just right let me let me know if this is too uncomfortable for you because I was sucking on Nintendo's dick 
for the longest time, man. Loving Nintendo. But I've got to be honest, especially since the launch of the Switch, I've just lost so much enthusiasm and appreciation for Nintendo. I definitely see what you're saying about the unmatched quality. Yes, I think historically, Nintendo definitely has that. And one thing that Nintendo absolutely still this day deserves credit for is they understand the importance of polish and personality in games that I don't think anyone else really ever ever has. Nintendo games always have this level of polish, just, just to the point where there's there's just like no graphical glitches. Games just look and run so uniquely. Menus and fonts and everything are just so meticulously selected and, and designed and everything in a Nintendo game where it just feels like a finished product. It's something that always just feels classic and timeless. I totally get it. A Nintendo video game, like a new 3D Mario game, is like the equivalent of like a classic Disney animated film where it doesn't matter that, you know, we don't make movies anymore by hand drawing you know, image stills and, and, and shit like that. That's not how we do animation anymore. You can still go back and watch Sleeping Beauty or Pinocchio or whatever and say, this is a beautiful work of art and it will never not be anything shy of stunning. And that's kind of how Nintendo games are. Even the game like Mario 64 that objectively looks like shit because it's from the Nintendo 64 and those graphics are fucking awful. They still understood the style and the polish and everything enough back then that they were able to make a game from a console as shitty as the N64, have such a timeless and polished aesthetic and feel to it. So I totally get what you're saying, and I'll defend Nintendo on that forever. But at the end of the day, I don't defend the whole their games are unmatched in quality, especially the Nintendo of today, where I think they do a lot of resting on their laurels and they do a lot of just reiterating on the same shit. And if that makes you happy, then I'm happy for you. But I personally don't find many modern Nintendo games to be like, wow, this is a breath of fresh air, or this is this this is a breath of the wild, if you will. Now, I still like Nintendo. In fact, like I said the other week, I think, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to Super Mario 3D World coming to Switch, even though I generally harp on Nintendo for just porting all their Wii U games to Switch. I'm pretty excited about that. I'm not going to lie. And I do still have a soft spot for Nintendo sometimes. I still have my Switch there collecting dust in the corner. And there are moments where I wish... Nintendo would just win me over again, but I also think Nintendo definitely gets a bump for being Nintendo. There's just no doubt about it. I People can argue it all fucking day long, but Nintendo definitely gets a bump for being Nintendo. You can you can have literally any other character platformer in the world, and people will be like, oh, this is so great, or cool, or whatever, or they'll completely ignore it, or they'll, you know, they'll think it's anywhere from, like, whatever to pretty good, but the second Nintendo puts out a game, it's like, all right, guys, do you see this new fucking Kirby game that's just like the last 40 Kirby games? Nine out of 10, Nintendo can do no wrong. And I just, I definitely think Nintendo gets the the, the Nintendo bump, which maybe they, maybe they worked really hard to earn that back in the day, but I don't think they've maintained it. And I definitely think sometimes they'll do like pretty, not half-baked, but like ideas that are pretty cool, but not fully there. I guess I'm saying half-baked. I don't know. I, I'm basically touching on your Breath of the Wild thing. Yes, I played Breath of the Wild. I got it the day it came out. I got it along with my Switch. I was super excited to play it. I'm a big Zelda fan. Breath of the Wild is one of my least favorite Zelda games. And I don't want to take that away from you. I'm not trying to be, you know, mean to you. If you like Breath of the Wild, I'm super happy for you. And in fact, I actually do like Breath of the Wild. In fact, I, I beat the game. I found a lot of enjoyment in it. But at the end of the day, it's not even close to my favorite Zelda game. People just go on and on and gush about how beautiful the world is and how interactive it is. To me, I think Breath of the Wild is a very, very empty open world uh, with very, very short 
and gimped and half-baked dungeons. There's like four dungeons. They take like 20 minutes to complete, and they're not nearly as intricate as a dungeon in like any other classic Zelda game. The story is really cringy. The voice acting is fucking awful. And the story doesn't feel cohesive at all because you can attack it in any order you want. So it just makes the story feel like nothing. You know, I will I will admit the game looks beautiful. The game is fun to play in a lot of times. The way you can interact with the ways you can interact with the world are really interesting and cool. And I think the last boss battle, particularly the whole like end of the game, is pretty awesome. There's a lot of good things to say about Breath of the Wild. I get why people like it. I just don't get why people are shit your American flag boxers like cuckoo for Breath of the Wild. It's just it doesn't do it for me. Honestly, I, 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 I don't know. But then again, I'm just not generally a big open world fan. So maybe, maybe that's my setback. I don't know, but I'm, I'm not a crazy Nintendo guy. I'm glad you like Nintendo. I do think there's a lot of merit in the switch, especially like if you're someone who's on the road a lot, I totally see the value in that before I moved here to Florida, when I was still living back in Atlanta, I used to take the, the train to school and, uh, work all the fucking time. And that Nintendo Switch and that Nintendo 3DS before that, those things, man, those things were such a godsend to me because you'd be on that train and you'd lose service on your phone constantly and you couldn't use it reliably. It was so nice to have a Switch or a 3DS in your bag readily available so that you could game while you're on that miserable one-hour commute one way, whatever have you. So I definitely understand the merit to the Switch, especially if you're someone who's mobile. But, you know, as my brother puts it, you know, now that... He, he says this, and I completely agree now that my lifestyle is similar, where it's like, I'm not a very mobile person. I don't have a job that allows me to game in any way. Like, I can't sit at my desk and game or have long enough break periods where I can, like, have a decent gaming session. I just commute to work in my car and back. So I don't really see the value in the Switch because when I'm home, I only want to play my Xbox and I'm never mobile anyway, in any way that it would make sense to have a Nintendo Switch with me. So it's a console that just doesn't make sense for me. And I never want to dock it because I'm like, why would I want to dock and play these ugly Wii U rehashes when I could just play my Xbox where everything looks and plays great and they already have more than enough games I'm interested in. I feel like I'm shitting on you. I'm really sorry, MZ. So again, I, I, I still like Nintendo. There's part of me that hurts sometimes because I want... I want to rekindle my love for Nintendo, but Nintendo doesn't love me back because they just keep saying, thank you for spending $300 on a Nintendo Switch. Would you be in re- Would you be interested in repurchasing all the games you bought on your Wii U? And I'm like, no, go away. And they're like, okay, would you like another fucking Paper Mario game? No, I want you to make something new. I want you to make a decent fucking Star Fox. I want you to show us Metroid Prime 4, okay? I want you to embrace the internet because little kids are going to watch Nakey Jakey whether or not you make them use friend codes. So just fucking let us on the internet, Nintendo. All right, that's enough of that. Thank you, Adam Z. So I'm glad you're enjoying Breath of the Wild. My recommendation to you for a Switch game would be Starlink Battle for Atlas. It's a great game on any console, but it's superior on the Switch because you can play a Star Fox. It's a phenomenal, incredibly underrated game. And it's perfect on Switch. There we go. So the nice thing about Nintendo. Now, next, my mom writes in and says, who is Joe Rogan? Seriously, who is he? Well, Mom, I I don't think it's really a question of who is Joe Rogan. I think it's more of a what is Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan isn't really a person. He's more of like a, a feeling you get. So, like, you know when you, like, get out of your car and you're walking to the grocery store in the parking lot and you spot a quarter or a dollar on the ground and you go, oh, my God, I just found a dollar, you know? Wow, wow. That feeling you get, that's Joe Rogan, you know? 
or that feeling you get when you go to Burger King and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll take a, um, a Whopper with a, with a fry. And then you open your bag and there's an onion ring in your pile of fries. And you go, wow, how cool is that? I got an onion ring with my fries. That's Joe Rogan. So to explain it, yeah, it's it's more of a, uh, a feeling than a person. But I hope you understand now. Now, on to the topic of Star Wars, because last week we did get a new Star Wars game announced. Ryan Wilde says, also, I want to say that I recently watched Star Wars A New Hope for the first time. It was epic. I will be binging the series and the f- and then finally joining the Star Wars video game world. Great show as always. Thank you, Ryan. First of all, I'm really happy that for you that you're getting to enjoy the Star Wars movies for the first time or at least A New Hope for the first time. That's pretty exciting. I know, you know, there's probably a lot of Star Wars fans out there who would be pretty envious of anyone who gets to enjoy this series for the very first time. My recommendation to you if it all already hasn't all been destroyed and, and ruined for you is try to watch all those movies on their own merit and just appreciate them for what they are and try to find your own value in them. Watch episodes four, five, and six, then one, two, and three, then seven, eight, and nine, which I assume is the order you're going in and just enjoy them for what they are, you know, judge them on their own merit and try to extract the value that you see in them for yourself rather than letting too much of the conversation about Star Wars get to you. Very similar to how I talk about Halo, I think. Even the 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 not-so-great Star Wars movies or the, the less-than-great Star Wars movies, I think, have a lot of merit or a lot to be enjoyed, you know, despite, you know, sometimes being objectively just poorly made movies. So I think you, you can, I don't know, you could become one of the rare, one of the few Star Wars fans out there to just enjoy the movies and to just have your own opinions and to just build your own relationships and understandings and interpretations of these movies without the constant nagging of Star Wars episode nine is just an SJW film or they say that about episode eight, whatever. So just enjoy them. But if you want any recommendations and I know you're not asking for them, Star Wars video games worth taking note. I'm going to recommend one that a lot of people don't talk about because people always talk about pod racer or KOTOR or whatever the fuck. You know, a Star Wars game that I really, really love that no one ever talks about is actually Star Wars Episode Three: uh, Revenge of the Sith, the movie tie-in game on Xbox, on like original Xbox. That game is actually really fucking fun. It is, uh, I don't know, that's one of my favorite Star Wars games. I don't think it gets enough love, but I wanted to throw that out there just because, you know, if you ask anyone, like, what's a good Star Wars game, they're going to tell you, I mean, they're going to tell you, you know, play the old Battlefront or play KOTOR or something. Those are great choices but i just want to let you know star wars episode three the video game is a really really good movie tying game that i don't think gets enough appreciation now lethal migraine sticking with star wars says star wars episode nine was my favorite star wars movie since the original three don't care what anyone says it's a fantastic movie okay let me say something nice before i say something mean lethal migraine i am glad that you enjoy star wars episode nine for yourself and you don't let the opinions of others ruin that for you. I'm glad that that is something you own and I'm glad that that is something that makes you you and that you're able to enjoy it without allowing the negativity and shit to impede on your happiness. So thank you. I'm happy for you in that respect. Now, Lethal Migraine, I want to remind you that you are a very negative person. You're constantly shit talking everything I like. Tell me Halo sucks. Tell me Mountain Dew sucks. You know, tell me all the kinds of things I don't want to hear. And now it's time for me to school you a little bit, okay? Because I'm not even that big a Star Wars fan, but I got to tell you, Episode 9 is objectively a retcon film. You can you can watch Star Wars Episode 9 and say, the action is cool, the acting is strong, the visuals are stunning, 
you know, the CGI is amazing. Some of the care, the, the costuming and art is amazing. Like all of these things are like objectively true about the rise of Skywalker, but telling me that it's the best movie since the original three, you're telling me star Wars episode nine is better than the force awakens, which is a great setup to a trilogy that ends up fumbling. It is, you're telling me it's better than Han Solo, which is a really, really, really fun Star Wars movie that people just aren't giving any credit, which makes me really sad. You're telling me it's better than Rogue One, which is like objectively a classic Star Wars movie. It's like objectively right there in line with the original three films. Like it feels like it's like a movie from that era made with modern technology. And you're telling me that's that that Star Wars Episode Nine is better than that. I'm not again. You're entitled to your own opinion, Lethal Migraine, but. You sit here all day shitting on everything we love, the Mountain Dews, the Halos, everything. But you want to come out here and defend Star Wars Episode Nine, a movie that, so if, you know, I, I actually like The Last Jedi. I know a lot of people hate that movie. I like The Last Jedi. But a lot of people argue, and I think this is a very fair criticism of The Last Jedi, that it does so much subverting of expectations, if you will, that it almost comes off as it's just retconning everything that was set up in episode seven. That's a fair statement. You know, if that's, if that's an argument you want to make, even though I like the last Jedi a lot, I think that's a really defensible argument and I'll, I'll take that point. But episode nine feels like a retcon of a movie that was a retcon of a setup movie. So what you're left with because of the way episode nine just doesn't play with the events of episode eight, what you're left with is a movie that is kind of, inheriting characters from a trilogy, neglecting the story of that trilogy, and then trying to start, build up, and finish its own trilogy within its own two-and-a-half-hour runtime while completely neglecting everything that came before it. I'm just letting you know, Star Wars Episode Nine. I think, not because I didn't like it or because I didn't like the way it betrays the movie that came before it, I think it's kind of objectively, from like a storytelling perspective, from like a cohesive perspective, from like the perspective of the th- the bow on a fucking trilogy... I think it's objectively a bad movie. And I know this kind of spits in the face of what I was just telling Ryan here by saying just don't listen to the negativity. Enjoy the movie on your own, on on its own merit and your own experience with it. But Lethal Migraine, you like to throw a lot of shade at the things I like. So now I'm throwing a little bit of shade, just a little bit of shade at you. What do you have to say to that, Lethal Migraine? Goddamn right. Now, Lethal Migraine, you do redeem yourself a bit here because on the topic of Dr. Pepper, you say, anyone who doesn't like Dr. Pepper deserves a one-way ticket to Siberia because they are a danger to society. Not only do I agree with that statement, but I think maybe you deserve a one-way ticket to Siberia for your opinion on Star Wars Episode Nine. Uh, and I'll wrap up the Star Wars talk with this one statement. There are three types of Star Wars fans in the world. There are people who liked The Force Awakens, and hated episodes 8 and 9. There are people who liked The Force Awakens, liked episode 8, and hated episode 9. And then there are people who liked Force Awakens, hated episode 8, and and liked episode 9. I don't understand how that third one exists, okay? Lethal Migraine, are you that person? Or did you hate, maybe you hated The Force Awakens, I don't fucking know. I'm just telling you right now, maybe you should be on on that train or that plane or whatever to Siberia. You can't take a train to Siberia from from the U.S. What the fuck am I saying? Maybe you should be the one on that plane. We'll drop you down like a goddamn Fortnite character, okay? All right. Speaking of Dr. Pepper, Joe comes in and says, Medium, so I want to play it because I'm newer to gaming, plus it's coming out on Game Pass, plus the storyline of the game sounds different. I think that's all pretty reasonable. 
I'm actually pretty excited now that it's like coming out imminently. But you say on the topic of food, I boiled 20. I, I don't know how this is a Dr. Pepper comment. I put I I categorize this as Dr. Pepper, but I don't know if I actually read it. On the topic of food, I boiled 20 beef hot dogs last night. After the kids got theirs, I had the last seven. So I'm still in a hot dog coma stage. Oh, here we go. Dr. Pepper is great right up there with Mountain Dew. Yes, Joe. Dr. Pepper is right up there with Mountain Dew. Correct. But also seven goddamn hot dogs, Joe. Don't try to don't try to cover up the fact that you ate seven hot dogs with a little stinger. Oh, yeah, Dr. Pepper's great, just like Mountain Dew. No. Stop trying to shy away from the facts here, man, okay? You ate seven fucking hot dogs. You're a goddamn national hero. All right, now back on the Call, Call of Duty topic because I know so many of you care. You know, I, I was really I was really starting to worry that a lot of the audience was getting really pissed at me for bringing up Call of Duty each and every week because, again, I know it's a really not-so-loved video game franchise among, like, the gamer community, if you will, but a couple of you guys wrote in about Call of Duty, so while I wasn't going to really bring it up this week, we got to talk about it because four of you here have something to say, so here we go. Sarugi our one and only, comes in and says, with your motivation for COD starting to wane, what game or franchise do you see, do you see yourself getting into next? Does the lack of a single-player campaign affect your view of Black Ops 4? I stopped playing Call of Duty after Modern Warfare 3, and I only sporadically jumped in here and there. I invested heavily into the Battlefield franchise instead, and haven't really felt the need to go back to Call of Duty, except for maybe experiencing some of the campaigns. Sarugi, I actually really can relate to where you're coming from with that. Now, as for where I'm going next, now that I'm starting to get off my Call of Duty kick, I don't know. I'm kind of in one of those like I'm kind of in one of those like purgatory states where I don't really know where to go next. But I played a little bit of Cyberpunk last night. Thought maybe I'd get into that, but I'm also kind of waiting for the medium to come out to try that. But I've also been playing some Killzone, so I, I've been in a weird state of like just jumping around. Really, I don't know where I'm going next, but my hope is that I can work on some of my backlog before this year starts to pick up and new game releases really start to go nuts. So either that or, you know, those Yakuza games episode or Yakuza 3 and so on are about to hit Xbox. So I might just jump back into my beloved Yakuza franchise. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot of video games out there to play. So it's, it's it can be overwhelming at times. But you say you stopped playing Call of Duty after Modern Warfare 3. I can relate. I stopped playing after Black Ops 2, so I'm actually right there with you where, like, I kind of, like, I was like, that's done. That's enough Call of Duty. I think the franchise is not being as innovative now, and I've gotten my fix. I, I think I'm good, but I kind of did the same thing where I'd come back every couple of years. I'd be like, oh, I'll pick up this one and just play the campaign, and then I'll be done with it. I don't need the multiplayer or any of that shit anymore. That's not really my thing. I don't have time to invest in it like that. But that's that's why I've been on such a Call of Duty kick lately is because for some weird reason, I don't know why, but Black Ops Cold War was just the game. It just for some reason brought me back to like being 14 and wanting to play Call of Duty multiplayer and campaign and zombies and just being the whole experience. So it was nice to kind of feel that and to indulge in it a little bit. So that's where that came from. But I totally relate to you in that that's really how I was experiencing Call of Duty for the longest time, at least from... 2012 till this year you know this past year when black ops cold war came out but as for black ops 4 to to wrap up with your call of duty comment you say does a lack of single player campaign affect your view of black ops 4 i gotta be honest with you man when black ops 4 first came out i was like everyone else who's like oh i'm not even gonna pay attention to this game i'm just gonna write it off and laugh about it because it's so shitty they don't even have a campaign the game's probably in development hell i'll be honest man black ops 4 is a in my opinion is a significantly better game than black ops 3 because Black Ops 3 feels like 
they felt the need to keep with the status quo of like, we've got to have a big mindfuck campaign. We've got to have the best multiplayer. We've got to have really extensive zombies. And while they totally nailed the zombies and the level of like polish that the game had, the multiplayer, I think, is kind of weak. And the campaign on Black Ops 3 sucks. So the fact that on Black Ops 4, they had the, they had the, I don't know, like the, the courage to just be like, you know what? We're trying the campaign thing. It's not working. We're just fucking cutting it from the game. I actually really respect that. It's a pretty ballsy move, especially for an Activision game, you know, that they're like, yeah, we're going to we're going to stand by by this decision, um, because I think what you get in Black Ops 4 is, you know, the fact that they're just sticking with the Black Ops franchise at this point, just for the sake of, you know, the 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 brand cache, the brand cash and and the kind of the brand recognition, the sales associated with it. You know, you can tell they didn't have their hearts in Black Ops anymore. Black Ops is like Black Ops 1. That's that's Black Ops. Black Ops 3 and 4 is like a futuristic shooter game that just so happens to be called Black Ops. So the fact that with Black Ops 4, they were cool with dropping the campaign and just leaning into what makes money and what they do best. I think it gave them a lot of freedom to just have fun with it. And what you ended up getting, in my opinion, is that Black Ops 4 multiplayer, while not my favorite COD multiplayer, is a big improvement over Black Ops 3. The zombies in Black Ops 4, while three zombies were really good, I think Black Ops 4 has even better zombies. I really like the zombies in Black Ops 4. And even though I'm not a Battle Royale person, I've played a little bit of Blackout, which is the war- the Battle Royale mode. And I gotta be honest, Blackout's one of the better Battle Royale modes. And it's just full of like fan service to the Black Ops universe. You can play as Mason and Woods and and um, Hudson, and you can like like go to different parts of the maps that are themed after iconic Black Ops maps, like Nuketown or like um, the cruise ship from Black Ops Two or whatever. And then there's like zombies on the battle royale map, and it just feels a little more arcadey, a little more cartoony, looks a little more stylistic and artsy. And I, I really love all that about Black Ops Four. I actually think, while definitely not Black Ops One and Two good, Black Ops Four is a vast improvement over the third entry. And I think not having a campaign was for the better because they clearly didn't have it in them. And they still don't. Remember, Black Ops Cold War has a fantastic campaign. Cold War actually has my favorite Call of Duty campaign since, like, the old Black Ops games. Like, best campaign in, like, the past 10 years, basically. And the campaign was made by Raven. Again, Treyarch just seems to not have it in them to go back and really expand the Black Ops universe and lore. So... I'm glad they found someone who could do it because Black Ops Cold War is a great campaign and Black Ops 4 is better off for not having had a campaign. So that's just my opinion. But Ryan Weil, who comes back in after his Star Wars comment, says, I've been busy lately, but I wanted to chime in on your COD talk. Uh, Black Ops 1 is the best Call of Duty ever, period. Now I will admit it was the first one I played, so nostalgia may be kicking me in the nuts. Um, but I love it. But I love that game. Best multiplayer and great campaign. Great campaign. Been on a Call of Duty kick too, and I'm going back and playing older CODs. One game I will never touch again is Ghosts. Now I never played Ghosts, but I know it's 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 really hated. So I'll take your word for it. But man, it's it's cool that you're kind of in a similar situation and you can relate because um, it's weird. It's it's weird being like, yeah, I've kind of outgrown Call of Duty. I've moved on, and then to just one day be like, it's time for sitting down and replaying all the campaigns in the Black Ops series for no good reason. Uh, but, man, I, I politely disagree with you. I think Black Ops 2 is probably the second best Call of Duty game. I would put World at War in the number one God tier spot, but much like for your reason for loving Black Ops 1, my reason for loving World at War is probably also very heavily nostalgia-based, so I can definitely understand where that's coming from. Uh, but, yeah, as far as multiplayer goes, yeah, Black Ops 1 
It's right up there. It's, I mean, it's definitely top three best Call of Duties of all time, in my opinion. No doubt about it. But I'm gonna put World at War above Black Ops One just because I know where the uh, I know where the series really started getting great, and that's uh, that's when we first got zombies, of course. Now, Mister Miggy says, I don't get why anyone. I don't get why anyone gets an auto either, referring to our car comment from last week. Now, I'll, I'll drop that because I think people are really tired of the car talk, but I do appreciate you writing in with that. You say, uh, Mr. Miggy, me calling Cold War broken was just me joking around. I'll probably end up getting to it at some point. Yeah, I mean, wait for some patches, but I recommend playing through the campaign again. It's like five hours of your life. Cold War's campaign is really, really cool, especially, like, you might be, like, iffy on it at first. Stick to the end, man. The end of Cold War's campaign, those last, like, two or three missions are fucking awesome. Like, that Vietnam level towards the end of the game is, honest to God, one of the, like, top three levels in a Call of Duty game ever. It's just so, so memorable, so, so cool. The storytelling and the way they use the environment and everything to kind of go through that scene is really trippy, really, really cool. I'm trying not to give too much away, but it is a very, very, very fun and memorable sequence. And I highly, highly recommend that, that campaign, but, uh, you should definitely get back to it when, uh, maybe they patch it a little more. Now getting off of call of duty, you say, Mr. Miggy just had TGI Fridays two weeks ago. They're loaded fries, loaded potato skins, and their mozzarella sticks are amazing. Yes. Mr. Miggy, all those statements are true about TGI Fridays, and I'm glad you went there two weeks ago because our friends over at TGI are, have been struggling in the wake of this pandemic, and I think we need to do everything in our power to support them and encourage them to stay through the hard times and stick through stick, stick through with it because at the end of the fucking tunnel, I think we're going to get a bigger, better, stronger TGI. We just got to help them get through these hard times. So I do appreciate you supporting a restaurant need, a restaurant that means a great deal to me. And we will get into TGI in a little bit. But you say, how do you feel about Costco Food Court? I love their pizza, chicken bake, hot dogs, and desserts. Now, I've never had their hot dogs or desserts, but goddamn, that chicken bake is awesome. I know exactly what you're talking about. That thing is so fucking good. It's like a Hot Pocket, basically looking thing with like chicken and all this shit in it. And it's delicious. And I've had that thing so many times. And it is so, so, so good. It, it has like what, like onions and tomatoes and shit. It's like a, it's like some fancy ass chicken caprese salad bullshit thing shoved into a, shoved into like a hot pocket thing. It's, it's so, so good. And yeah, Costco pizza is excellent. I, I'm a huge fan of Costco pizza, but recently, as you may remember a few months ago, I went to Sam's Club for the first time, had their pizza. And I gotta be honest, I think I might like Sam's Club pizza a little more than Costco pizza. But that being said, I think both of their pizzas are phenomenal. And yes, there's something about those big box uh, warehouse uh, wholesale stores that they just, they get food courts. They just, they know how to make them work. It's very much like Ikea. They just know, you know, they know how to be overwhelming, overly stuffed stores with just too much stimulation going on. But at the end, if you can make it through the shopping experience, there's a beautiful food court with reasonable prices with actually incredible prices waiting for you just past the checkout counter. So stick through it. If you're, if you find yourself in a Costco and you're shopping and you're overwhelmed, just stick through the end, you know, that, that pizza's worth it. Now you say microtransactions aside, Mr. McGee, you say you love EA's battlefront games, especially two. you know, a couple of years ago, that would have been a divisive statement, but it really seems like most people really came around to and love Battlefront 2 with the way they turned that game around. So I'm really glad that that's the conversation on it after all these years that they were able to make good on a really fucked up uh, launch. And uh, I don't know, it's just a that's like a feel good um, like store like 
I don't know, story for EA and for Dice, considering how how massively they screwed up in the beginning there. But you say, lastly, I wanted to mention how the only true quadruple A studio is Rockstar Games. I, without thinking too much, I might actually agree with that. I might, I might actually have to agree with you on that. Because not because I think Rockstar personally makes the best games ever, but they definitely have that next level of detail and care and just technical achievement that no one else really does. So I think that might make sense. Like a game like Red Dead Redemption 2 is kind of a quadruple A game. I think I think there's some merit to what you're saying there. Um, I don't know. When I think of like games that I would deem as like quadruple A, there aren't many of them. I would say like Mario Galaxy. Red Dead Redemption 2. There, there aren't many examples, but that's a, that's a good call. I definitely don't think the initiative is going to be a quadruple A studio, whatever it is. Phil Spencer says that's all marketing talk, but I hope I'm wrong. And then lastly, Lethal Migraine says, giving money to Activision is as terrible as giving money to Coke or Apple. You are adding to the destruction of society. Well, Lethal Migraine, if you want to play that game, we can talk about how buying an Xbox is giving to the destruction of society because, you know, electronics are basically produced by slave labor in China, so... We, we can play that game if you want, or you can stop being mean and just admit that you kind of like Call of Duty Black Ops 2. I know I know you got a thing for that game, so don't lie. We know that you secretly thought Transit Zombies was the best way to play Nazi Zombies, so Lethal Migraine, I, I, your secret's out. Now, a couple of you want to write in with your most anticipated games uh, of 2020. R-I-K, sorry, RKCC uh, Ruser writes in for the first time and says, Just start listening to the podcast on episode 83, enjoying how you're conducting these podcasts and giving your opinion, whether it's a popular one or unpopular one. Thank you so much for saying that. And now I do fully expect you to go back and listen to episodes 1 through 82 to catch up, of course, but we'll give you some time there. And you say, I enjoyed everyone's gaming picks. And no, I am super late, but I am going to give my top five anyway. Number five, Minecraft Dungeons. These are your favorite games of 2020 that you played. Minecraft Dungeons, four, Prey, three, Untitled Goose Game, two, Rocket League, and one, Ark. That's a pretty interesting list there. Most of those games I can't speak to, but I do love Minecraft Dungeons. And I've always wanted to get around to Prey. I still haven't done that. I really need to. I know my list has a lot of older games on it. I haven't had as much time to play video games as I would like. Really been on an Ark kick lately, for whatever reason. Keep up the great and funny podcasts. Thank you, RKCC Ruser, for writing in. I appreciate that. And also, I appreciate your unique uh, taste in gaming that, you know, just highlights some games I feel like we don't get to bring up as much on the show. So that's cool to mention some Untitled Goose game and Ark and, and stuff like that. Dead Captain James here jumps in and says, My most anticipated list for 2021 is Honorable Mentions, Medium Scorn in New World. We got a horror fan here. I'm going to say number five, Deathloop. I love Arcane and I have high hopes. It would be a uh, number if I, if it was an IP I was already familiar with. Uh, four, Back for Blood. I love, 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 love Left for Dead style games. I'm right with you. Number three, Halo Infinite. I hope it brings Halo back in the story is killer this time. I hope so too. And then you say Resident Evil um, 8. I love spooky games. Probably comes from my childhood trauma. Oh, please do tell more. And then finally, Gotham Knights, a four-player co-op Gotham style game. It's all I ever wanted, so... That's a pretty good one there. Definitely didn't didn't know that Dead Captain James, you're a big horror fan, it, it seems. So that's pretty cool. It's a nice solid list with some unique offerings as well. Uh, and then we'll just round out the comments with some miscellaneous ones. Let's just fire them off real quick. OG Man says, your brother's hot take on Resident Evil 6 being better than Resident Evil 4. is like saying Halo Spartan Assault is better than Halo 3. I don't know 
how we can help him, but I'll be praying for his lost soul. Thank you, OG man. Please continue to pray for my brother. My brother, speaking of which, says, The host of this show is a hater. If the medium had Sonic the Hedgehog as a playable character, it would be his Game of the Year 2021. No fucking shit, little brother. Joe Murphy says, From last show, you were talking about the Mountain Dew flavor sodas. But they aren't Mountain Dew, and they should not be called that. Mountain Dew is the only Mountain Dew flavor. Sorry for all caps. Plus, I found the game Maneater, and I'm loving it. I really didn't think I would. I would like to buy Maneater 2 if they ever make one. Well, I'm glad to hear that. A lot of people seem to really love Maneater. I've heard that it just seems like everyone who plays it really falls in love with that game. But it didn't get too much, like, talk, it seemed. I, it's a game I'll play someday, but it's it's a game I'll get on sale or Game Pass. I'm not going to spend money on Maneater, but I will give it a try at some point. Now, as for your take on Mountain Dew, that's a little spicy there. You say, unless it's classic Mountain Dew, it's not Mountain Dew. That's that's not true, Joe. There's a there's a distinct Mountain Dew twist to Code Red and to Voltage and to Whiteout and to all the other great flavors. They are Mountain Dew. I promise you, they just are. It's it's some of these new ones that just straight up taste like Fanta or Crush variants, where it's just like fruit soda. That's that's what I'm talking about. Like this new Major Melon flavor it just tastes like fucking watermelon Jolly Rancher soda. It's not Mountain Dew. So I half agree with you. I half disagree with you. I'm gonna defend some of the other flavors. Mountain Dew Whiteout is not only the best Mountain Dew flavor, it's the best it's the best drink in the world. I'd prefer it to water, but unfortunately they've they've reduced it to being sold regionally only and the southeast is not one of those regions. So you can only get Mountain Dew Whiteout in I think it's like the Midwest basically. It's like in the middle of nowhere these days. No offense to our Midwestern listeners, but Hey, if you have, if you go to the store and you regularly see Mountain Dew Whiteout on the shelf, I'm not even joking. I know I'm always sarcastic. I'm not even fucking joking. Hit me up, DM me, go on YouTube, find me somehow. Let me know. I will pay. I will. I will help you profit off of this. If you are willing to send me Mountain Dew Whiteout, if you can buy 12 packs of Mountain Dew Whiteout where you live, and you can ship it to me, I will not only cover the shift of ship shipping cost and the cost of the drink. I will pay you handsomely and help you profit off getting that. I fucking miss Mountain Dew Whiteout. It is the greatest drink of all time, and I miss it so sorely. So please. Do let me know if you come across it. Dead Captain James says, apparently I commented in my head last week. Could have sworn I commented last week, but I guess I didn't. P.S. Ketchup is good, but barbecue sauce is god tier. Wrong. But yeah, Dead Captain James, I don't know. I On the YouTube page, I, I have the ability to let it, let it try to auto filter negative comments or like spam comments or let me moderate everything. And I tell it, let every single comment through and I will moderate it. That's the setting I have set on my YouTube page. So I've done everything I think I can do, but for whatever reason, it seems like sometimes YouTube just like phantom deletes comments because you're not the first one to say that even recently that that's happened. So I just don't know what to do at this point. If your comment just gets randomly deleted, just know I'm not deleting it. It's happening because YouTube is stupid and has a tiny brain, but I'm not the one doing that. So blame them, not me. And then our last three comments of the week here. God, I told you there's a lot of comments, guys. And yes, Sarubi, I'm going to try to address them all here. Parksy1972 says, Hey, Jesse, just wanted to say hi. Been listening to your show uh, and you're rambling for a few months now. You know, after this show, I don't think anyone's going to fucking listen because I can't believe how long we're going to go without actually talking about Xbox. Uh, after you said that the comments were a little light, though, I thought I'd make an effort. Well, thank you for making an effort, but you see what you fucking did here? We got too many comments. 
Park C. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you for thank you for writing in and thank you for spelling my name right. Love the way you interact with your audience. Always makes me laugh. Helps pass a few hours each week while I'm at work. Both my kids are huge uh, Mickey D's fans. So over Christmas, I introduced them to Burger King. Due to the COVID-19 restrictions here in the UK, we had a drive-through and sat in the car park and sat in the car park to eat it. My 12-year-old daughter had a Whopper meal, and my 17-year-old son both had a double ba- a bacon double cheeseburger XL meal with an extra patty, and all had fries and chocolate milkshake, and a 12-piece of onion rings to share. Needless to say, neither of my kids managed to complete their meal, but both agreed it was way better than McDonald's. Just thought I'd share that with you. Till next week, take care. Well, Parksy, I actually really appreciate this comment. I don't know why. There's these kinds of... Uh, I don't know, like, I don't know what you call it. Like, if it was an anime genre, I would label this comment as a slice of life comment, I guess. I don't know. I just, it's fun for me to read, like, those anecdotes. Like, it's relevant to the show because we talk about fast food all the time, but it's just a little happenstance with your family. I I don't know why I just find those kinds of comments to be such a pleasure to read, but I'm glad that your kids enjoyed uh, Burger King. I'm a little disheartened that they preferred it to McDonald's, but. Then again, as you mentioned here, you are from the UK, and as we've learned, seems like a lot of these restaurants put special effort into some of their international variants that they don't put into their stateside variants. So, for example, I mean, obviously, I've never been to the UK or to Australia, but it does seem like, based on what I can tell from your the audience's comments and what I've seen online, Restaurants like Burger King or Hungry Jack's, if you will, seem to be of higher quality, better consistency, and just have more interesting menu choices in places like UK and Australia than they do here in the US. So I'm a little bit jealous. I'd really like to try these restaurants overseas. And I, you know, if I can ever be so fortunate as to make it over there, I will do just that. But I am glad to see that your family enjoyed Burger King. That is a that is a wonderful thing to know. Please just remember, support these small businesses. Companies like Burger King are hurting right now during this pandemic. People are staying home. People are cooking at home. The grocery market, the cook-at-home market is destroying our local restaurants, and we need to do everything we can to fight for them. So please continue to support these small businesses like the TGI Fridays and the the Burger King. I do appreciate you doing that. Our final comment for the week comes from Arctic Chief, who says, I like to think of myself as a wolf, not because they're cool, but more as they're known to protect their packs, i.e. my family. I asked my wife what she thought I'd be, and she said a pangolin, so I don't know where to go from there. I think the place to go is the zoo, because that's where you fucking belong, you goddamn animal. You say, I realize I'm late, but my anticipated games are simple. Halo Infinite and Fable. I love Smash Bros. I'm always waiting for the next chap- next character to be announced. The speculation talks are interesting to me. I enjoy Fortnite, maybe too much for a 28-year-old to enjoy, but my wife and I play duos some uh, some every day. I gotta be honest, let me just stop right there, Arctic Chief. Aside from the fact that you're banned and you're not allowed to comment here, you can play Fortnite all you want. I don't give a shit what your age is. You're welcome to play Fortnite. That's your decision, okay? And as long as you have that Master Chief skin, you can even squint a little bit and pretend it's Halo. So there's nothing wrong with Fortnite. So you enjoy that all you want, but... I hate to be the one to burst your bubble here. Fable's not coming out. Well, you just said your most anticipated games in general. You didn't really say in 2021, but just want to reiterate, Fable is definitely not coming out in 2021. In fact, I don't think we're going to see that game until like 2023 at the earliest. So I'm glad you're excited and I really hope the game's great. I'm excited for it myself, but we're definitely not seeing that game anytime soon. But as for Halo Infinite, of course, that's the game everyone except Lethal Migraine apparently is excited for. So 
We can all look forward to that. Lethal Migraine. We can bond over Raising Canes or something else. Uh, just don't tell me that Star Wars Episode Nine or Ketchup are good because that's just fighting stuff. Fighting words. Those are fighting words. All right. Wrapping up your lengthy comment here, Arctic Chief, you say, Food Talk, McAllister Deli is, I guess, a local restaurant, mainly cold food, subs, and stuff. Their sweet tea is something else, like a McDonald's type of different. I don't go there for the food, but rather just the just the tea as you can buy by the gallon. As a family, we don't go out to eat much at sit-down spots, but if we did, the go-to place is, is Hacienda. And if you're not familiar, it's an American-Mexican restaurant, like a Tex-Mex thing, I, I assume is what you mean there. Uh, fast food would be like McDonald's, Jimmy John's, or Taco Bell. Those are solid choices, although replace Jimmy John's with Jersey Mike's or Firehouse Sub, and then we're in, then we're in business, man. Hopefully this comment makes it past the banhammer. Sorry to hear that you don't have control of that. I guess uh, I'd get in touch with HR about that. Looking forward to next week's episode already. Well, all right. So I looked up. Let's let's focus on what really matters here, and it's it's the hacienda comment. I told you I'd look this restaurant up, and and I'm, I, I've got it here. I got to be honest with you. I've never heard of this chain before, and and I went to their website. It looks like they're mostly in Indiana and, and such like that. So I actually love restaurants like this. I don't care. You know, you'll always meet those those white people that want to sound cultured, and they'll be like, "Oh, it's not real. It's just shitty American food." And it's like, he, I mean, here's the reality of the situation. Fuck that way of thinking, man. Like, it's so fucking annoying. Like, yes, there is a time and place for really high-quality, authentic, fresh, properly prepared, you know, cultural food. Yes, of course. Real, authentic Mexican food is incredible. And if you can find a really authentic Mexican restaurant, of course, it's going to be a great dining experience. No one's going to deny that. But that doesn't, just because that is a true statement, doesn't automatically mean Taco Bell or Tex-Mex restaurants or chains like that are invalid. You know, it's like, there's still a place for like the super gringo American, you know, Tex-Mex restaurants. They're still good just on their own merit in their own way. So it really grinds my gears and pisses me off to no end when people try and say that stuff, like downplay it. Like these Tex-Mex restaurants don't have, you know, any, any merit to them when they clearly do. And, and I'm here on Bing because I'm not a monster. I don't fucking use Google. And I'm looking at, like, these pictures of, like, the food in, in different restaurants. I really appreciate the fun theming. I really think the menu looks really fun, really good. It looks like they have live music. This looks like a nice place to be. It's a, it's a themed restaurant. Anytime your restaurant is themed, instantly gives the restaurant three-point three bumps. So, like, I don't even give a shit if your food's bad. I'm still going to go there if you have fun theming. So that's a great win right there. Um, yeah, I mean, we definitely don't have these in Florida. Um, the closest chain that I can equate this to is what we have here is called Chewy's. And I know Chewy's is kind of all over the country. I don't know if they're region specific, but I know I I know they're in a lot of places in the country. I don't know. We have a handful of them here in Florida, uh, Chewy's. And it's kind of like this. It's like, but Chewy's is a little more like over the top with its theming and decoration. And that place is really fun as well. So I can kind of relate to this hacienda place you speak of uh but yeah that, that looks like a fun restaurant i'd like to i'd like to dine there i would like to contribute it sees it says here this location on south bend in south bend indiana seems to only have a three and a half star rating on TripAdvisor, but i'd like to eat there and possibly help contribute to giving them a four star rating if we if we could uh, in fact everyone just stop what you're doing Head on over to Bing and look up Hacienda in South Bend, South Bend, Indiana, and go ahead and just give them a blind five-star review. Let's let's help this location out. Let's get their let's get their review score up there a bit. I don't think 
you know, I've never been there. I've never been there in person. I've never eaten their food, but I doubt they're a three and a half star establishment. Let's let's try and bump them up. You know, make someone's day. Help a manager get their customer satisfaction quota, whatever it is that needs to be done. Let's let's do a good deed. Get on get on Bing. Get on TripAdvisor. Let's rate these guys five stars. What do you say? Uh, with that out of the way, guys, that's actually going to do it for all of our comments. It, we, it only took us a, a smooth little hour and 15 minutes to do it, but we made it to the end of the comments. Like I said, I'm overindulging in the comments a little bit this week because one, we got a lot of comments, and two, it's a really shitty, slow news week, so sue me, whatever. I actually don't sue me. Uh, but this is, you know, with that said, we're, you know, next for next week, remember, don't be shy. Reply. Now we're going to get into what I've been playing, but before I can tell you anything about that, i got to tell you what I've been eating. Uh, oh boy, and I'm, exci- I'm excited for this one, guys. So yeah, I'm, I'm dying a little bit. Yeah, you know, like I said, my brother's counting calories. I, I thought, this is a fun one because it's so low commitment to just be like, okay, I can eat whatever the fuck I want as long as I stick under this calorie limit. So for my height and age and weight and all that shit, I was allotted a 2,090 calorie diet per day. You know, that's unless I want to exercise additional and and get some extra calories, but about 2,090 calories a day. So I love this because I'm just like, that means I can eat whatever the fuck I want. I just got to control the number of calories. So let's just do it. Let's just fuck it. This isn't really a healthy diet technically, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's fun and I'm bored. And so we're going to give it a two-week trial period. And my thing with diets is always like give it two weeks. If you don't see any results within two weeks, if, if you don't start to see things moving, then give up on it, you know. Dieting should be a a hard task that with a high reward, um, not a fucking JRPG. You know, if, if if you're dieting for more than two weeks and you're still not seeing results, at that point it's practically Final Fantasy 13. It's not worth it. You shouldn't have to give that much to get something out of it. You know, so that's my thing. I'll give that two weeks. But in the meantime, let me show you what what I was able to do with that. Okay, so. The TGI Fridays, as we alluded to earlier in the show, it's it's a place I love. It's near and dear to my heart. On Saturday, I had a nice day at Disney's Hollywood Studios theme park. And as I was leaving, I was like, well, I'm not going to eat here. I'm not going to get expensive theme park food. I can't really justify that right now. So let me head on home. But then I remembered, wait, I have to pass the TGI Fridays to get home. And since I'm a loyal TGI Fridays rewards member, I have a shit ton of of TGI points saved up on the app. And TGI Fridays, props to them, they recently redid their app and they really did a, a bang-up job uh, overhauling the app. And they, they've just made it so convenient to order on the app, pay in the app, reward, uh, redeem points and earn points all through the app. It's just so seamless, so easy for a millennial like myself who loves to order and pay online and, and just do curbside delivery and have as little human interaction as humanly possible with or without a pandemic. I just fucking love it. So I went ahead, I redeemed some of my points, and I, I got some TGI Fridays on Saturday night. I brought it home to my girlfriend and said, I know you hate TGI Fridays, but... You're going to love this, trust me. Guess what? She fucking loved it, because how do you not love TGI? We got the fucking rainbow cake. It was awesome. It was free. We got the Philly cheesesteak, like, spring rolls. There's spring rolls stuffed with Philly cheesesteak with, like, a queso dipping sauce. Fucking amazing. We got the the loaded cheesy potato fucking beefy, like a Taco Bell burger, basically. It's, like, got melted cheese and, and uh, queso and french fries shoved in that juicy-ass burger, and it was fantastic. And it was, uh, you know, I was on cloud nine after that. It was a great deal. So the next day, I'm like really starting this diet thing. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I want to be fat. It's Sunday, you know, it's the last day of the week. And I, I kind of want to be a fat ass today. So what can I do? So girlfriend and I, we go on a very lengthy walk. We walk maybe like seven miles, right? So we go on a big ass walk. 
we get our steps in for the day. I'm like, okay, that allots me a few more calories. What can I do? So I didn't eat breakfast. I didn't eat lunch. I, I waited until like three or four o'clock in the afternoon to eat. And then I said, I still got them points on TGI. Let me do it again. I ordered TGI a second fucking time, man. This time I get I get the fucking Cajun pasta and we get the the cheeseburger sliders for free because I got the points and everything. And we go and we cash that shit. And I just have a fucking TGI feast. I've been starving myself all day. The TGI Friday's feast, it's phenomenal. Eat the whole thing. Don't regret a single second of it. It was worth every fucking penny, specifically considering that I got most of it for free because I got all the rewards points. But that's beside the point. It was so, so good. And at the end of it, I was like, wow. And I'm under my, and I, and I'm just barely under my calorie count for the day because, you know, I waited for the first half of the day. I pigged down on something I loved. And now I'm kind of set for the day. I don't want to eat for the rest of the day, but I'm also technically within my bounds of calorie content. So this is kind of the best diet I've ever been on, at least as far as weekends go. It's a little more challenging during the week when you have more rigid, like, wake up, coffee, lunch break, go home, dinner kind of thing. But as far as weekends go, it's a pretty damn good diet because I can just, it's so easy to starve yourself on a day off because it's like sleep in, play video games, dick around, literally do nothing. It's so easy to avoid eating in that circumstance. You know, you want to eat when you're bored, when you're at work. But if you're home, you can just keep yourself entertained and avoid the, the, the refrigerator all day. So it's really easy to just be disciplined, go on walk, play video games, and then have that one massive fucking cheat meal later in the day. And so not only am I advocating this diet and also deterring you from engaging in it because it's probably really unhealthy for you, but the fact that I was able to do the TGI and technically be within the limits of this diet means, one, I'm probably not actually losing weight. I'm probably just going to die from diabetes. But two, I feel really good about myself. Not like physically good, but like, you know, mentally good about myself. And I think... That's really what these diets are all about. So that's what I've been eating. What I've been playing, like I told you, I've been a little all over the map. I played a little bit of Cold War, Black Ops. Played a little bit of Cyberpunk. Realized I really don't want to invest into a massive open world. So that kind of put me off. I've been playing, and then this is where it gets weird. I've been, I had some extra money on my PlayStation account from gift cards. And so I bought a PS Vita game that I've been wanting to play for a very long time, but just haven't been able to justify purchasing. But now I had a gift card, so I went ahead and did it. I got... Killzone Mercenary, which is, you know, PlayStation's first-person shooter series, the Killzone franchise, it's a PlayStation Vita-specific mobile first-person shooter, and a lot of people say it's surprisingly good, and I got to report back and say, yeah, it's it's surprisingly good. I don't know how, but Killzone Mercenary on PS Vita is way better than it has any right being. In fact, I'm, I'm about halfway through it. I'm trying to savor it, play a little bit every night. Um, trying to savor it because it is really good and, and I'm sad that it kind of ends eventually. And, uh, but wow, it, it really is like a, a really decent first person shooter game, but on your Vita. And so I was like, man, I just haven't played any kill zones so long. Maybe I like kill zone. So then I go on my PS4. I'm like, I've always also wanted to play kill zone shadow fall, which was the launch game kill zone game that came out in 2013 when the PS4 came out. So I get that on sale. It's like dirt cheap. It's on sale. I'm like, whatever, fucking download it. And I start playing that game, and I'll say this. Killzone Shadowfall on PS4 is a visually stunning game. It's a great tech demo for what the PS4 can do. That fucking game is not fun. It is boring as hell. I don't know what it is. That game is just not fun to play at all. So, Killzone on PS Vita? Yes. Killzone on PS4? No, thank you. 
And then also, for some weird reason, I downloaded Star Wars Battlefront Renegade Squadron, an old PSP classic, downloaded that on my Vita, and I've been playing that, kind of going down memory lane with uh, one of my favorite Star Wars Battlefront games from back in the day. It's just been kind of funny. It's uh, It looks like shit. <laughs> the game looks like shit, but it is still fun to play. So that's kind of what I've been doing. I've just been dabbling a little bit across all those kinds of games, but... I'm going to wrap up Killzone this week and then probably dive into like Yakuza or something um, or the uh, the medium. So that's the plan. And with that said, I guess it's time to jump into the news. So, yeah, enough putting things off. Let's get into our short or brief news week here. All right. And before we start with our first news story of the week, remember, I do put timestamps on the YouTube video. So if you are getting really irritated with how long some of these comment sections and other things last, then you can always just refer to the timestamp and click on the segment you're looking for. So I know there are probably some of you who are like, really an Xbox news show where I have to listen to an hour and 15 minutes of Mountain Dew talk before I can hear about Xbox. Although I will say, I will say in my defense, I know what the, I have an idea of what the Xbox podcast landscape is like these days. And to be fair, in my defense, at least it would be pretty redundant if this show was like, welcome to Xbox on the podcast with one host about Xbox news. Our first story of the week, blah, blah, blah. Like, it'd be like really like, okay, well, there's a million other shows that do this. So fuck off, you know? So in that sense, I'm like, well, this is me carving out my own market and doing my own thing, you know? Like, so, and I think I like to think that's what brings people here. I mean, I, that's what I've picked up on from your kind feedback, but at the same time, I understand sometimes it's like, all right, Jesse, you need to know when, it's too much, you know, there's, there's a line and I don't know if I've towed that line, but you guys feel free to let me know. Let me know if there's like a cap, like, listen, anything beyond 45 minutes of comments is too much. I don't know. I feel, I feel like the comments were pretty relevant to Xbox this week, so maybe it's okay, but let, let me know if you really take umbrage with the way we format things here, or if it's just the way you like it. So with that said, our first actual news story of the week Coming from IGN, Bungie has announced that it will close its Halo archive in February, which will mean player stats, screenshots, and files from the developers' Halo games will be gone forever. Detailed as part of the studio's weekly update blog post, Bungie explained that on February 9th, the halo.bungie.net website will be taken offline permanently. Player stats, files, and screenshots from Halo 2, 3, ODST, and Reach that are currently being stored on the website, although those archives have not been updated for almost nine years now, uh, for the most, for the best part of a decade, the website has effectively been in stasis, acting as a memorial for Bungie's pre-Destiny years. Players now have until February 9th to save their stats and files, should they wish. Bungie notes that this is this only applies to player data, news articles, forums, and groups from the Halo era, where from the Halo era were uh, imported into the current Bungie.net website in 2013. And so will remain online. Uh, I don't know if I copied that wrong or what, but basically saying that anything from the Destiny era or beyond is safe. It's just the old Halo stuff that they're shedding. So this is a, uh, I mean, there's not much to divulge here. This is, this is what I mean by it. it's, it's kind of a slow news week, but this is a sad one. Of course, it's an end of the era. I think the more impressive thing here or the, the bigger point here is how impressive it is that Bungie's been able to hold on to this data and give you access to it for all this time. Isn't it a little weird to think about how Bungie departed from Microsoft, went ahead and went multi-platform, and even went as far as to, you know, have their next big thing have a 
exclusive marketing agreement with Sony, the big competitor, yet still you could go to Bungie's website and get all your old Halo data while at the same time there's technically a new studio owned by Microsoft that keeps Halo alive and in going in this post-Bungie world. So I do find that a little like odd that it's like, it's weird that there's this part of Halo you can still get directly from this independent studio that is putting games out on Sony's platform. That's just weird to me, but also really cool that on both on both sides, it's like Microsoft hasn't, you know, has allowed for that, that for that relic to remain rather than being like, oh, you can't have that. This isn't your franchise. You're not our team. You can't have that information. So I don't know. I think that's kind of cool. It'd be really cool if what could happen is somehow 343 could take all this data and bring it in and allow people the opportunity to like merge this data from Bungie.net with their Halo um, with their Halo Waypoint profile. That'd be really fucking cool, but that's probably more work than it's actually worth, but it's a, it is a notable like end of an era kind of sad thing. We're really severing ties with the old days of Halo here. We've got this happening next month. We've got the servers for all the old 360 Halo games going offline at the end of the year, so it really is this whole like wave goodbye to Halo. Halo really is going to be Master Chief Collection and beyond. You know, it's Master Chief Collection 5 and Infinite. So I think it makes sense. All of it is understandable, but at the same time, no less uh, sad. I need to actually go online and download my stuff because I would like to have some of that. Um, But yeah, definitely maybe more of a PSA than a news story. But yeah, be sure to go ahead and look at or download that information if it's something you want to see before it goes away in just a few short weeks here. Next up, Take-Two Interactive is no longer bidding on Codemasters, so from Windows Central. Back in November 2020, Take-Two Interactive looked uh, to acquire racing publisher Codemasters with a $973 million bid in cash and stock. The deal was then upset by EA announcing a $1.2 billion bid on Codemasters, which takes Take-Two Interactive... um, which Take-Two Interactive has now responded to. Per a press release, Take-Two Interactive intends to lapse its offer for acquiring Codemasters. This means there will be no counter bid. Take-Two Interactive uh, appears to still be interested in purchasing gaming companies, however, as they uh, noted in their press release, they, quote, will continue to pursue selectively organic and inorganic opportunities uh, with inorganic opportunity growth, obviously referring to acquisitions, of course. Take-Two Interactive subsidiary Rockstar Games recently acquired Ruffian Games and branded it as Rockstar Dundee. Um, So, obviously, they are interested in these acquisitions. And with Take-Two Interactive withdrawing, EA will likely complete its acquisition of Codemasters without issue. The video game industry is seeing a huge amount of market consolidation and acquisition with Microsoft acquiring ZeniMax and AT&T temporarily looking to sell WB Games. Codemaster is a publisher and developer that we know mostly for its racing games like Dirt 5, which recently launched on Xbox Series X and S. So this is a this is a weird story just because it, it really seemed like Codemasters and Take Two were a great fit, and then and then EA swoops in and steals them, or not steals them, but just kind of you know outbids them. So that's kind of a shitty thing. You, you gotta imagine Take Two's like pretty pissed about that. They're like, what the fuck? We had a great deal, and then because you're EA and you just like slap down that big dick EA money, it's like wow. Not not to say that Take Two doesn't have big dick money. I mean they they're the guys who own Grand Theft Auto, so they have big dick money, but. Clearly, they, they didn't want to spend that much money. Although, it's not, you know, it's not a terrible amount more. I guess it's only like $250 million more. So, I don't know. When you're talking about 
dropping nearly a billion dollars on acquiring a studio, it, it gets to the point where it's just like, what's 200 million more? <laughs> I don't fucking know, but it is, uh, no, it's, it's insane how fucking, how much money there is in the video game industry. But that being said, I mean, this isn't new news. We already knew about all this. This is just kind of solidifying and, and cementing that EA will indeed be the one acquiring Codemasters. Uh, I assume this means things like Dirt will be EA branded, but I think more so they want this talent to kind of revitalize the racing brands to try and find a way to make Need for Speed bigger. I think EA is really hell-bent on trying to make Need for Speed, which is already still a successful franchise technically. I think they want to make it a behemoth franchise again, and that's what they're after here, as well as letting Codemaster also make other types of racing games to just have more of a presence, you know, for EA to have more of a presence in the racing genre. So there's that. And then our next story here from Windows Central says that Cyberpunk 2077 has faced numerous issues from its launch in December 2020, and more continue to arise as spotted on gamesindustry.biz. CD Projekt Red is now facing a second class action lawsuit over the quality of the game at release and purports that investors were misled. Now, this is one that was inevitable. The lawsuit is filed with the U.S. District uh, Court for the Central District of California, while CD Projekt Red notes that it will, quote, undertake vigorous action to defend itself against any such claims. CD Projekt Red is also being investigated by Poland's Office of Complete of Competition and Consumer Protection. And that's in regards to the first uh, lawsuit. But CD Projekt Red co-founder uh, Marcin Winsky recently issued an apology video uh, for the state of the game at launch, giving reasons as to why the team believes the game performed especially so poorly on lower-end consoles. CD Projekt Red has also given a full uh, has given a roadmap for the game's future, with two major patches and numerous smaller hotfixes coming in the later months. Free DLC updates arriving in 2021, and next-gen console support coming in the second half of the year. So this is the one that we all saw coming. The class action suits were kind of inevitable that, yes, eventually people would be like, hey, this is bullshit. All these people bought this game. It was false advertisement, yada, 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 clash action lawsuit. You're entitled to compensation. So that one doesn't surprise me so much, but it's the fact that that is now compounded on top of this initial lawsuit, which was mostly you know, for the fact that basically they were mis it can be viewed as they were misleading uh, investors by presenting the game as one thing all the way up to the very, very end to keep stock prices high and to get, you know, investment and people on board with the game up until the very end, rather than being more transparent and honest about what was going on with the game, the state of the older generation version or last gen version of the game. So the fact that they now have these two claims compounding, you know, they've they've sold 13 million copies of the game, so they they've already made a really healthy profit from this game, and this game will probably still continue to sell very very well. But on top of that, you know, they have destroyed their goodwill with the fan base as uh, with the community and gamers, as well as engaged in, in ignited these two lawsuits. The sec the first of which I think is probably more potentially dangerous. The first one definitely means someone's getting fired. You're like people are losing high ups at this at this company are losing their fucking jobs over this, no doubt. But also just like being investigated for consumer for competition and consumer protection is basically like a is gonna destroy them. It's gonna make them completely undesirable from investors and it's hard for me to really get into this too in depth because I'm 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 not someone who understands lawsuits. I'm not I'm not an intelligent person. I'm not going to act like this is a strong suit for me. But my imagine, but what I imagine is that you know between the inevitable penance to pay for so the inevitable the inevitable penance to pay for these lawsuits and these and these actions paired with the class action is going to really 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 make them wish probably 
that they just canceled the previous gen version of the game or delayed it another year because this is stuff that they're going to be fighting for at least a year or two before it's all before before it's all over and now everything that was meant to fix the game or make it better has just been punted so now the next gen update isn't coming this this quarter it's coming at the end of the year and the dlc won't be till much later which means there's an even longer time period between when they can start you know when the game launched and when they can start trying to get people hyped up on new content try to get them fixated on something other than the way the game launched so they're kind of fucked in all directions on this one and the only thing they have on their side is at the beginning they just made so much goddamn money off this game that they could be all right but there's going to be hell to pay and people are going to lose their jobs over this and i can't say that i'm really upset over it because they really 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 fucked up here and I feel really bad for the people who were misled. But more importantly, you know, like think about like there are investors who probably put like everything on the line for this game. You know, they they were le- these aren't all just like rich fat cats who just had money to throw throw away. There are people who probably had like it all on the line for this game and they were misled. So like this, that lawsuit's going to be fucking brutal. And I don't know. I just uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of company CD Projekt Red is on the other side of this debacle of the botched launch and these lawsuits and see what kind of studio they are in two years when this stuff is either all over or nearing its end. So I don't know. There's that cyberpunk 2077. Everyone's getting sued. Bad boys all for a game. That's just another open world game. Our next story here. So I don't know how to present this one. Xbox game pass puts it on Instagram today and someone responded on Instagram and says, literally says, I just want fall guys on Xbox game pass. And then the Xbox Game Pass official Instagram account responded and said, it's coming and did that little emoji where it's like the eyeballs looking in the direction or whatever. And everyone freaked out. And Tom Warren over who works at The Verge tweeted out this image and was like, I guess uh, Fall Guys is coming to Xbox via Game Pass. And then the Fall Guys Twitter account came out and was like, no, this is misinformation. Unfortunately, this is there's been a mix up. This is not what's happening. And so then Tom Warren's like, okay, so it's coming to Game Pass for PC or not at all or whatever. And then Devolver Digital, the publisher, is like, straight up comes out and squashes the rumor and says, there are no plans for Fall Guys to come to any form of Game Pass, period. Not They didn't say the word period, it just ends with period. So this instantly reminds me of that time Phil Spencer was on a stream and was like, oh yeah, we're so happy that uh, we're able to get control on Game Pass. And everyone's like, oh, Remedy's control is coming to Game Pass. And then Remedy comes out and is like, no, it's not. Like, Phil Spencer misspoke. No, it's not. And that was, like, last January, and then Control actually came to Game Pass, like, in December or something. So, eventually, the game actually did make its way to, to Game Pass, and I wouldn't be surprised if Fall Guys does do the same thing. My guess is that there probably are some early communications between Microsoft and Devolver Digital and, and Fall Guys to get this game on Xbox, namely to get it in Game Pass. And my guess is that there's probably like a one-year timed exclusivity with PlayStation or there's some contract with Sony that they're not able to really talk about this or break this contract. So yes, it could just be that Fall Guys is not coming to Xbox and someone at Xbox Game Pass just really misspoke. I find that really hard to believe. This is a big old fuck up for some just straight up false information. My guess is, especially because this is the second time we've seen this happen with a Game Pass game, is that there is some mixed messaging and in, in, in internal communications going on at Microsoft and at Xbox with Game Pass, and people aren't knowing what's public and what's not and when they can talk about things. So the fact that, you know, the official Xbox Game Pass Instagram account would be like, oh, it's coming, and then, you know, Fall Guys and their publisher would have to come out and be like, no, 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 it's not, tells me 
someone said something that they weren't supposed to say too soon. Doesn't tell me the game's not coming, but I could be wrong. You know, they say not coming. So keep your hopes, keep your expectations in check rather. But I say this is another control situation where it might be a year or close to it until we see Fall Guys come to Xbox and see it come to Game Pass. But you don't see a mistake like that just randomly happen. Just someone at Xbox Game Pass who runs the social media accounts just fucking up and be like, oh yeah, this game's coming to Game Pass. Just kidding. No. That doesn't just happen. So what? maybe it's not set in stone yet, but conversations have clearly happened and someone's trying to make something happen because they wouldn't just spread misinformation like that so flippantly. This is clearly, you know, someone spilled the beans earlier or fucked up. So uh, we'll have to keep our eyes out on that one. But I, I assume at some point you want to get Fall Guys on Xbox, especially because it seems like the, the popularity of that kind of came real fast and real heavy and then went away. So... You probably want to try and sustain it by getting it on other platforms, right? And then our last regular story of the week is that there are some new games, you know, speaking of, speaking of Game Pass, new games coming and going on Game Pass. So first we'll talk about the games that are coming soon. Speaking of which, speaking of Control, Control will come to PC Game Pass on January 21st. Uh, Continuing with January 21st, we've got Desperados 3 coming to Android console and PC. Donut County coming to Android console and PC. Outer Wilds coming to Android, and then on January 26th, we've got Cyber uh, Shadow on Android console and PC, and then on January 28th, we've got The Medium coming to Series X, Series S, and PC. We've got on the 28th, the Yakuza Remastered Collection, come on boy, this is what we're waiting for, comes with Yakuza 3, 4, and 5, all remastered on Android console and PC, cannot wait for that shit. But then unfortunately, we also got some games leaving Game Pass. So on January 29th, we're losing Death Squared, Death's Gambit, Final Fantasy 15 on console and PC, Fishing Sim World, Grease, Indivisible, Reigns, and Sea Salt. I've heard Grease is really good. That's leaving PC. And Final Fantasy 15, that sucks. That's leaving. Um, I kind of want to play that. I, I feel an urge to download that. But every time I do that, it's just because I want to play Final Fantasy 7. It's not because I actually want to play Final Fantasy 15. So anyway, if you're interested in any of those games, make sure you download them and check them out before they're all gone in nine days. So there's that. Now we jump into the important enough news stories, stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussion. We've got a couple quick ones here. First of all, Sonic the Hedgehog will be making his way to Puyo Puyo Tetris 2 along with a new boss raid mode. The new content is out today via free update, but I bet you didn't even know that Puyo Puyo came to Xbox recently. I mean, at least it slipped my radar. And also, that's the second time we've mentioned Sonic this week, so that's cool. Next, Ubisoft's upcoming open world extreme sports massive multiplayer uh, playground game, Riders Republic, has been delayed to 2021. Previously set for February 25th release on PC, Xbox Series X and S, and Xbox One, the developers announced its release has been moved to later this year without giving a new release date or month. Next, Samurai Showdown is coming to Xbox Series X and S on March 6th, according to SNK Global, which they revealed on Twitter. Players will be able to get to play across both consoles on Xbox One and series consoles via smart delivery. And then next, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War is getting a new Warzone Season 1 update that includes a new Zombies map and new multiplayer maps and modes. The latest update is already season is already live, but it brings but the update will bring new melee weapons, new multiplayer maps, and of course, uh, PlayStation exclusive shit because fuck Activision. There are also new modes for multiplayer and zombie, blah, blah, blah. The new zombies map is coming. New zombies map will come out on February 4th, as well as as well as a new multiplayer map, Express, which is a remake of a beloved Call of Duty 
Black Ops 2 map, which I'm really excited to see. So that's really something to look forward to. And then lastly, Apex Legends Season 8 starts on February 2nd and will feature a Battle Royale, the Battle Royale 16th Legend Fuse developer Respawn Entertainment announced on Monday. With a theme of mayhem, it appears that Respawn is hoping to ramp up the Apex Legends action. On the official site, Respawn is teasing that Fuse's arrival to the tournament has dramatically reshaped King's Canyon, which is the map the game takes place on. I feel bad that I don't play that game anymore. I just, I feel, I fell off so hard. Like, I don't know anything that's happening. There's so many champions in the game I haven't seen. But anyway, with that said, guys, the news is completely wrapped up. Now, remember, we used to talk about the new Xbox game releases of the month. Xbox brought that back, so we finally have an updated list. This week, there are 12 new games to come out, so let's jump to them real quick. First, we've got Toronos, which is one of those 8-bit top-down indie games where it looks like you collect mushrooms in a Roman Colosseum. So there you go. Belancelot is coming out. That's actually really cool. It looks kind of like a medieval period like uh, piece uh, painting where you are on a little unicycle and you joust. So that actually looks like a really silly game. I had to look into that. Um, don't even know how to make fun of it. Then you got Hitman 3 on January 20th coming to Series X and S. It is optimized for next-gen consoles. Hitman 3 is a really cool game because, you know, people always talk about how men hit on women and it's hard for women because men are disgusting and they're always so pervy and hitting on them. But no one ever talks about how women hit on men. And so in Hitman 3 you get to hear the perspective of the male of the of the victimized and often untold stories of how men are sexually abused and, and, and hit on and made uncomfortable by women. And I guess this is the third time they've made one of those. So Marble Duel is our next game here. Marble Duel is like a game you play on your iPhone, but if you're really, really stupid, you say, hey, how about I buy a $500 Xbox Series X so I can stop playing Marble Duel on my iPhone XR and I can start playing it on my uh, Xbox instead. Then we got Paratopia, which is a game where you take turns fighting. And so I guess that's pretty nice if you're a socialist, but I like to do my fighting where I actually defend myself and kill the enemy rather than waiting my turn then we got air bounce uh the jump and run challenge which actually sounds like a pretty cool game actually i really actually want to play that it sounds like those uh platform run challenges from like halo 3 then shing is coming out this is one of those games where like you look like you're from the ancient roman periods or you're one of those anime booby girls but actually you're on mars so it's got all the time periods fucked up then you got unstoppable on january 21st it looks like some guys with really big eyes are in a dance studio but none of them are dancing they're just all looking like the same Waldo-looking motherfucker, so that's the whole thing. Then you got Adverse, which is a game that is adverse to looking interesting. And then you got Gravity Heroes, which is looks like Celeste. Looks like a Celeste knockoff, but I like Celeste, so maybe I want to get knocked off by Celeste. And then you got uh, Red Out Space Assault, which looks like a space combat game. Xbox One X Enhanced, but not Series X Enhanced. What's up with that? I do like space combat shooters, though, so maybe it's still worth a try. And then you got Skycadia, our last game coming out. This is like really blurry game. This looks like it might give you a seizure, so probably don't want to get one of those Skycadia seizures. I don't know why they didn't talk about Scott Pilgrim, which came out. Anyway, that's going to do it for all our new game releases. As a reminder, Games of Gold, you've got Little Nightmares for the rest of the month. you got Dead Rising available from January 16th to February 15th. You got King of Fighters 8 or King of Fighters 13. I don't know how to read Roman numerals. Available uh, to the 15th, so you already missed it. Fuck you. And then you got Breakdown available till the end of the month. So download that. But guys, that's going to do it for all this week's episode. We are officially done. I'm pretty tired of talking and hearing myself talk. So thank you for listening. 
Be sure to comment in, say nice things next week, compliment me. Subscribe to the YouTube page so I can make you watch ads, please. want to make you watch those ads. I'm so tired of that stupid Facebook Messenger ad that keeps popping up on YouTube. Maybe you can watch it next. But yeah, uh, until next week, guys, don't forget to power your dreams.